Hello friends! I just wanted to hop on here really quick and say that this week we were supposed to celebrate our one year anniversary of Scary Tales and we were set to record and everything, but poor little Hannah got sick and she completely lost her voice and we were thinking about just me doing the whole story and her and kind of uh, interjecting here and there, but she literally has no voice so that would have been impossible. So we will be celebrating that next Tuesday, so stay tuned. And we do have something special that we want to launch uh, in honor of our one-year anniversary. So just wait for next week. Uh, This week, we will be doing The Conjuring, though. And uh, this was pre-recorded, so Hannah does have her voice in this episode, along with um, some other friends of ours who unfortunately had their voices and wanted to scream demon names. So if you're scared of demons, you don't like hearing demon names, anything about demons, really, then maybe wait till next week. But we did want to go ahead and let you guys hear an episode since it is our one-year anniversary. And just, you're, you you have been forewarned right after this, there's lots of demon name shouting. So anyway, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys for the one year anniversary next Tuesday. Fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands. Often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tell every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Satan, Bethlehem. I am Legion. I am Minnie. No. Stop. Satan. Stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now that. We are all thoroughly terrified. It's time for um, a spooky spot on the Conjuring House. We're gonna try. And the reason Hannah and I are so so scared is because this is our second time to try and film this episode. And in the first one, you know, we've been filming all day, multiple episodes, never had a technical difficulty. We start talking about the Conjuring House, which is a story of demons. And all of a sudden, I hear like a glitch, and I look over, and everything we had just recorded on this episode was magically deleted, even though I'm nowhere near the computer. And we've been doing this all day, and we haven't had a problem. Right. So now, I'm, I was already scared. And then David and Chase came in here and started screaming demon names. Well, David thought he was screaming demon names, but he doesn't actually know any demon names, and so he was just... So thank you. I, Chase he, does. He was, was just, just, he was just making up words. So, um, that's what we, you just got a taste of that. And now I'm, I'm real scared, but, um, we're, we're here, we're here we're to gonna, press through cause I already looked up the information. We're going to try it. And we already promised you a story of the conjuring house. So this is a sacrifice and I hope you enjoy. I, I gave Hannah a assignment, if you will, to go and watch the conjuring this weekend. I didn't do that. She did not. Yeah. So she doesn't really know what I'm, what we're talking about, but I'm sure most of you do. 
The Conjuring is a very famous scary movie, and it centers around The Conjuring, the house, The Conjuring House, and it is based off the true story of the hauntings, the demonic hauntings of the Perrin family. So, um, yeah, here we are, round two. I'm not optimistic that this is going to... Hannah wanted to pack up and and, and go home. I did. I did. And I I still do. I see fear in her eyes. But yeah. So we're here. And we're, we're, my voice is if tired. It, if it, if it cuts out halfway through, that's just what we're going with. Yes. So it came out in 2013 and it received critical acclaim for its ultra realistic portrayal of the demonic haunting of the Perrin family. And like I said, the movie is based off the true story of the paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, as they attempt to help the Perrin family. Hannah told me she had never heard of Ed and Lorraine Warren, and I was astonished, but she's not a spooky spook type girl, so pretty much every- surprising. Right. Pretty much everybody knows them as being the most famous of paranormal investigators. Ed was a World War II veteran and a former police officer who became a self-professed demonologist after studying the subject on his own. His wife, Lorraine, claimed to be a clairvoyant and a medium who is capable of communicating with the demons that Ed discovered. So just match made love, in heaven right there. There you go. In 1952, Ed and Lorraine founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, and it was the oldest ghost hunting group, or is the oldest ghost hunting group in New England. And they quickly gained notoriety and are most known for their investigation of the Amityville hauntings or the amityville whorehouse which you said that sounded like i said whorehouse i said horror house horror h-o-r-o-r just a bunch of ghost tours um you said you were familiar with that i've heard of that yeah so ed died in 2006 but lorraine was around and was able to be a consultant on the film and claims that she didn't let the directors take any more dramatic license than necessary and everyone that was involved with the real-life people of the story said that the actual story is ten times scarier than the movie. And the movie's See, horrifying I was gonna say, to and me. That's, that's the thing. I know the movie's scary, which is why I'm not watching it. Uh-huh. Well, the, the real-life story, which is we're telling worse. today, great. is worse. So, Can I go back and watch the movie instead of doing this part? You've, you're too late. You're buckled okay. in. Great. Mm-hmm. Thanks. So, on to the story. In January 1971, the Perrin family moved into a 14-room farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island. And this is where Carolyn, Roger, and their five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April, began to notice strange things happening almost immediately after they moved in. So a little backstory on the house. The land was deeded in 1680 and was actually surveyed by John Smith. You, you ever heard of him? Yeah. Well, I mean... Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were lots of John Smiths. Are you talking about the John Smith? The John Smith. In the first episode, you missed it. Accidentally called Pocahontas. What I call her? You said Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. It's been a long day. Um, that that John Smith. And um, it was a part of a property dispersed among the followers of Roger Williams, who founded the colony of Rhode Island. It was originally deeded to the Richardson family who followed Roger Williams after he was expelled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And he was uh, expelled because he he was very, ver- uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Vocal. Vocal about his belief that church and state should be separated. So they just kicked him out. And they said, out with you. The original state was quite extensive. It encompassed more than a thousand acres. 
but eventually it was sold off into parcels in the area to families in the area and some to this day are still living in in those parceled off pieces of land i guess i would have heard of this story and i would have said deuces see you later bye Mm -hmm. Because women had no rights of property at this time, their estate transferred through marriage, and from the first colonists, the Richardson family, they then passed it down to the Arnold family, which we'll talk about later. And the house as it now stands was completed in 1736, 40 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It has endured many hard times, seen a lot of stuff. It endured many hurricanes, the, the hurricane in 1938. That one, you know, mm-hmm. I guess that was before we came up with a naming system for yeah, they, they just named it by year. Yeah, it also survived the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the Industrial Age, and she's still there, hanging it's around. Not, yeah, <clears throat> about that, it's seen some stuff. Supported by all the things that that live in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back to the hauntings. It started small. Carolyn would notice that the a broom would go missing, and I, I would just assume like. It's just a helpful ghost trying to do a little. I'm not. I'm not opposed a to little housework. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. opposed to ghosts helping out with chores around the house. If they if they would make my bed, that'd be great. But then she would also find piles of dirt in the center of a floor that she had just cleaned. So kind of counterproductive ghost. She would also hear the sound of something scraping against the kettle in the kitchen when no one was in there. You know, tappings on the walls, doors closing, shutting. All the, you know, your your basic ghost stuff. That's fine. The girls also began to notice spirits around the house, though for the most part, at first, these things were harmless. They would experience a spirit gently kissing them on the head goodnight every night. No, I don't want that. At first, they thought that this was their mom, but they realized that their mom, she smelled very strongly of ivory soap, and whatever was kissing me on their foreheads in the middle of the night smelled more like fruits and flowers. And so they they eventually surmised that this was a spirit and not their mom. I guess they opened their eyes up and were like, my mom's not there. And it smells like fruit and flowers. I was about to say, the the sense of sight would have Mm -hmm. been my go-to rather than the sense of smell. Right. Another spirit appeared to be a small young male that the girls would watch push toy cars around their room. Some people are like, oh, that's sweet. I wouldn't mind. I don't want any type. Oh, yeah. I mean. No, thank you. So there was another spirit. His name was Manny, and he was believed to be the spirit of John Johnny Arnold. We, we just talked about the Arnold family who inherited the house. And he committed suicide by hanging himself in the attic of the house in the 1700s. So Manny would appear before the children, often standing nearby, quietly watching them going about their daily activities. He would have a crooked smile on his face and just seemed to be amused at the children's play. But if any of them made eye contact with Manny, he would withdraw from sight just as suddenly as he had appeared. So you just got a creepy just, old man just, with a crooked smile staring at you play. Don't look him in the, in the eyes. Mm-hmm. Or do, because that's when he would disappear. Oh, well, that, or, yeah, or that. But the activity soon began to escalate. Beds would levitate several inches off the floor. Telephone handsets would hover in the air and then slam back down on the receiver when someone entered the room. Various household objects would glide around the house on their own. Often chairs would suddenly be pulled from beneath unsuspecting guests and pictures would tumble from the walls. All things I'm not interested in. Mm-mm. Hannah's face right now is just like absolutely hating this after what happened earlier. The parents once reported seeing an orange substance 
ooze down the walls Ew. and then disappear into nothing. That's it's gross. Just some kind of, that sounds like some that, kind of that toilet. That makes me think problem. of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Late at night, the girls began to experience an unwelcome visitor in their bedrooms. This was an unseen force that would yank on their legs and hair while they slept. And one spirit began to torment eight-year-old Cindy. And he would do this by whispering to her over and over again that there were seven dead soldiers buried in their walls. Which I believe, I mean, it's, it, it lived through a couple mm-hmm. of couple, couple of wars. wars. Mm-hmm. Were they buried in their walls? I don't know. But maybe beneath the house mm-hmm. or something. Of all the families otherworldly encountered, there is this one ghost that the parent family refuses to speak about in great detail. It's the, it's the one that haunted the girls the most. Andrea Perrin, who wrote a book about her family's experiences in the house, hinted that the spirit may have molested her and her sisters. And they'll talk about the other ones' names, even ones that sound as bad as the spirit, but they will they will not speak this this spirit's name. So Voldemort, <laughs> right? Andrea claims her father would enter the basement and feel a cold, stinking presence behind him. And they often stayed away from the dirt-floored cellar, but the heating equipment would fail mysteriously, causing Roger to venture down there and experience this. And they said it smelled like flesh, like rotting flesh. Similar to the movies, the parent children love playing hide-and-seek. And because you've never seen the movie, they played this weird version of hide-and-seek where they would hide and they would get like a certain number of claps, like, the person that was looking for the hiding people would say, okay, clap. And you would have to clap and mm-hmm. it would give away your, it's kind of like Marco Polo. Yeah. But in the movie, the things that were clapping weren't, the kids. weren't, weren't people. So one day while playing th- this game, why sent- would you play hide and seek in a house that you think is haunted? Thank you. I would- go out, go outside. Mm-mm. Cindy hid one day while playing this game, Cindy hid in a large box that had a lid on it that didn't lock. She should have been able to close it and get right back out. But after a long time of no one finding her, she thought that this was just a really good hiding spot, too good, and she should leave the box to find a new one, only to find that the box would not open. So she started screaming and kicking and just panicking, and her older sister Nancy just so happened to be walking by the box and heard her screaming, and Nancy was able to open the box and free Cindy. So, like you said, not a game. Not a game I would play I would in a house that I know no. is haunted. Yeah, I'm going to go play soccer outside. Carolyn allegedly researched the history of the home and discovered that it had been in the same family for eight generations and that many of them had died under mysterious or horrible circumstances. Several of the children had drowned in a nearby creek, one was murdered, and a few of them hang themselves in the attic. So this house doesn't. That would have been good to know. That would yeah, have been a good yeah. thing for your real estate agent to to disclose mm-hmm. upon upon uh, walk walkthroughs. Right. The worst of these spirits was named, and before we had this mishap on the episode, I was felt okay to say her name. You don't have to say her name. I'm gonna call her B. And if you know the movie, okay, then you know who B is. So. Okay. Andrea Perrin, one of the children, was quoted as saying, Whoever the spirit was, she perceived herself to be mistress of the house, and she represented the competition my mother posed for that position. I'm going to show you her name. By the way, that's her name. That's a, okay. That is a demon-sounded name if I've ever heard of it. That's a, that's a biblical name, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It turns out that there was actually a real person named B, mm-hmm. B's name. 
who lived on the parents' property in the mid-1800s, and she was rumored to have been a Satanist, and there was evidence that she had been involved in the death of a neighbor's child. B was born in Rhode Island as B. Thayer in 1812, and she married Judson Sherman in 1844. B was a housewife while her husband farmed the land. She gave birth to a son, Herbert, when she was approximately 37 years old, and some say the Shermans had other children, but none survived past the age of seven. Isn't seven like an important number? I thought I thought seven was an important na- number for you, like mental develop, like developmentally, mm. like mentally. Mm. More so, three is like, yeah, the- like health, like like physical health wise. I didn't. I thought it was younger. You know, mm. like kids dying from you know no, i'm saying like isn't seven like a significant oh, number in oh, the literature oh for sure mm-hmm. yeah three seven yeah. yeah yeah so that's creepy local legends claim that b was a witch though there's no hard evidence to support this theory the suspicion about her being a witch grew after an infant mysteriously died in her care and the cause of death was found to be a large sewing needle that impelled the base of the infant's skull After this, the townspeople began to speculate that she had murdered the child as an offering to the devil, though she was never convicted of any wrongdoing. So, yikes. That's B's history. So, she's probably somebody you Mm -hmm. don't want to have watching after your kids. In Andrea Perrion's book, she mentions her mother speaking to a local historian who told Andrea's mother, Carolyn, that B had a reputation for starving and beating the hired farmhands. She even she died in 1885, approximately four years after her husband. And reports of Bee's death include information regarding how her body turned to stone, supposedly. And um, is that not like, like are we talking literally or figuratively? Right. Isn't rigor mortis like where your body goes stiff? True. I think they meant figuratively, but in the movie, it's insinuated that Bee hangs herself. However, in real life, we know that she died of a stroke. So. She appeared to every member of the parent family, her face gray and her head bent to one side as if her neck was permanently broken. That reminds me, did you watch The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix? Mm, you know I didn't. The bent neck, like the bent neck lady. Which that would go along with the theory mm-hmm. if she hung herself, yeah. but not with the Otherwise, stroke. Otherwise, why her really, neck yeah, crooked? Not, not really with the stroke. Maybe because of the stroke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still, it became clear that the entity paid special attention to Carolyn, and Carolyn was her least favorite person in the house. Is that the mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carolyn wake up in the middle of the night with B, who was dressed in all gray, yelling at her that she would make her flee the house with death and gloom. Just imagine a creepy woman standing at your bed, yet screaming at you in the middle of the night. I'd be like, you can have this house. Bye. Bye. One I day, think that when a spider comes into my house, I'm like, it's yours. It's yours. Burn I'll it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let alone a ghost. One day, Carolyn was lounging on the couch when a sharp pain shot up her leg, and she woke up and examined herself and found a puncture wound on her calf that had been already began to bleed, and seemingly nothing was around. Also, this several things like this happened several times where it looked like the wounds were in the were caused by a sewing needle. Oh, I was just about to ask mm-hmm. if it was like, a and she small had dreams enough. about being stabbed by a sewing needle, and remember, be the, the history. Her, the her story is that she or one of the kids who she was looking after. Yeah, yeah was stabbed with a sewing needle. The Perrin family had heard about the Warrens through a family friend that had seen the Warrens speak at a conference, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And over the 10 years that the family lived in the house, the Warrens made multiple trips to investigate. At one point, Lorraine conducted a seance to attempt to contact the spirits that were possessing the family. That sounds 
Like we're just she's, opening she's some more just, portals. She says, if you can't beat them, join them. Mm-hmm. The seance was held in the basement. And during the seance, Ke- Carolyn Perrin became possessed by B, supposedly. And she began speaking in tongues and rising from the ground in her chair. Andrea claimed that she secretly went down to the basement and was hiding. And she she wanted to watch this secretly. And she said, quote, my mother began to speak a language not of this world in a voice not her own. Her chair levitated, and then she was thrown across the room. So to this day, Lorraine Warren, who has seen a bunch of scary things, will not speak of exactly what happened in the basement, and she says that it still traumatizes her. Well, yeah. yeah but you, also, you walked into that. Correct. You set that up for you yourself? Set, you yeah. walked right on into it. So, In the movie, Ed attempts to perform an exorcism at this point, but in real life, Lorraine said that they would never do this because they believed exorcism can only be performed by Catholic priests. Mm -hmm. So, After the seance, the Warrens never came back to the house. They had done all they could do. I I, I read one thing where um, the the dad, after the seance, got really mad and punched uh, Ed Warren in the face. Like, you caused this. You made my wife possessed by holding the seance. So... Either they got mad and they had a disagreement and they left, or they just said, We've, we can't We're help done. you here. According to Andrea, the family continued to live in the house due to financial instability until they were able to move out of the house into Georgia in 1980. So they were just kind of, so I would have been doing anything I could, girl. Yeah. I, I would have gotten Give out of there. Give me a tent. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll sleep in somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. When they moved to Georgia, the severity of the hauntings decreased, but they still feel the presence of B to this day. So, so she moved to Florida. Florida. She, she moved she to latched, Georgia with them. She latched onto them. Because uh, yeah. I, I, I always associated or assumed that that they were tied more to places than to people. I don't know what demons do in their free time. I don't know. When the Conjuring was being filmed, the parent family was invited to the set and. That's a weird thing to be invited to. Like, here's a, a story that caused me a lot of trauma. Yeah. Would Come you, watch would, while we remake it. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, at the last second, Carolyn, the mother, said that she was very nervous and wanted to stay at home. She just yeah. had that gut feeling. And at one point on the set, at the exact same time, the family and the crew members felt a very cold wind pass over them. And it knocked over a bunch of the equipment on set. And they said that they were familiar with the presence and that it was that of b the, the family said mm-hmm. that they're like oh it's just it's just b yeah we know her well introducing b yep. once they returned to their hotel room they received a call stating that about around this time that this presence was felt um carolyn back in georgia had fallen and broken her hip then i like give you like weird heebie-jeebies they, yeah. they feel this I mean, presence, the timing. yeah and then their mom falls and breaks her hip so they rushed back home to see her in the hospital, and the first thing Carolyn said was, quote, she does not want to be exposed. That was the first thing out of her mouth when they got to the hospital. I don't like that. Mm-mm. don't like it. On June 21st, 2019, a new couple purchased the home for approximately $439,000. The new owners of the house, Corey and Jennifer Heinzen, were very interested in the house, obviously. I was about to say, they had to have known, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. According to several interviews, Corey fell in love with it after visiting the house before it had gone up for sale. Not surprisingly, Corey and his wife are also ghost hunters, and Corey feels that the house is, quote, a piece of paranormal history. I stumbled upon this one day. His daughter, Madison, has a TikTok where she just films a bunch of stuff in the house. 
some of it funny, some of it creepy. And you can find her at Madison, that's M-A-D-I-S-O-N dot Heinzen, that's H-E-I-N-Z-E-N 207 on TikTok. Hannah's going to go do that tonight, I'm sure. I don't know, probably not. I don't have TikTok. Since moving in, Corey claims to have experienced the modern standard ghostly activities, you know, doors the mo- opening The modern and standards as opposed to the mm-hmm. ancient standards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows what that means? Uh, doors opening and closing on their own, footsteps, knocking, you know, yeah, the basic the stuff. He has even claimed that he's seen a black mist, and he described it, quote, it looks like smoke, it'll gather in one area, and then it will move. It is important to note that Norma Sutcliffe, who owned the house from 1987 until she sold it to the Heinzens in 2018, I mean 2019, excuse me, never claimed to have experienced any ghostly issues with the house. She said it was a normal. She was like, it was just a house? She was like Jason David in there. She just imagined her in the house just like screaming she, demon names. She's like, come on. She's like, Ugh. she's like, I'm lonely. Is anybody out here? I don't, I don't. And, and that, I hope you enjoyed that was the story of the Conjuring House. I'm probably I'm still not w- going to watch the movie. Well, I wouldn't at this point. So I'm still. Not if watching I look the over movie. here, okay, we're good. We're still recording. I was about to say I'm still not watching the movie. I'm not watching ha- House on Haunting Hill, whatever it is. The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, probably not doing that. We were sitting here recording it, and to be fair, I feel like the first episode we were way more. The was, first take we were way more. The vibrant. Having a Delirious, good time. Uh, probably. And B was like, not today. She said, I don't want to be exposed. And the, we looked over and everything she had been deleted. She just She didn't want you to say her name. Which also, side note, what, you know, when they talk about like door slamming and like loud sounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you ever hear that in the background of our podcast, and we need you to know it's just Theodore, one of Lacey's dogs, dropping his bone on the floor as loud as possible trying to get our attention. So, yes. Her house he'll pick not, it up and slam it on the floor it, over and, and over it's a, again. It's a big bone, so yeah. it's it's not a haunting. Maybe they have a Theodore ghost in their house. I mean, maybe that's what it is. It's just a it's just a little ghost pup mm-hmm. throwing his little bone around, throwing his bone around. Well, I'm that's not going to we'll, sleep tonight. That's what we'll go with. I'm not going to sleep. Yeah, I don't. I but don't, to I, be fair, if, if something was going to come in the house, it's going to come get Chase because he was oh, in here screaming for a sure. bunch of names. So, and they're all probably just laughing at David because. He was just he was trying to to copy Chase, but he couldn't really hear what Chase was saying. So That's he, a hard name to say. The name was, they were saying. So he was just saying something he thought was was close, but it wasn't mm-hmm. close at all. So so I don't know who's gonna haunt David, but if you're interested in, in in adding these spooky spots to your bucket list, Hannah and I won't be going there. <laughs> no, we're not. We're I'm not. I'm not going to this one. I the, tend to stay away from this kind of spooky stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't enjoy. I don't know demons. why you did this. Uh, because The Conjuring is my favorite scary movie. See, I don't have a Ferris Cure movie. Yeah. Well, well, The Shining. You don't like that? Well, that's like classic. I like old, like older scary movies like that because they're they're just more like suspenseful and the, mm-hmm. the graphics are so like poor quality that it doesn't freak me out as much. There's one point in The Conjuring where the girls, I don't think they're doing I like quick it. angles and all of a sudden they look up and there is this demon woman thing crouched on top of this like chiffre robe. And good, good use of the word chiffarose. <laughs> and I have that image burned in my mind. And I don't want it. And we're going to go drink some holy water and read the Bible. Yep. Until next time, let say, us know what spooky spots you want us to do. Prayers. Preferably not a demon one. Yeah, please. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. See you around. <laughs>